This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. It's good to be in this house today. It's good to be in his presence. I, I want you to know that all week long I have been uh, thinking about this, this message, this blood for freedom. That's the, the title of today's message. And um, I've been thinking about the correlation between blood and freedom. And in honoring our veterans this morning, it's difficult to imagine a world without their sacrifice. It's, a sober, it's sobering to think what America would be like if it would even exist, exist at all without the blood sacrifice that so many men and women have made for us. The Word of God says in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. To willfully put oneself in harm's way, to spill blood so people they would never meet could live free. And the old phrase, freedom isn't free, really rings true in our hearts today. The purchasing price for freedom throughout history has, been often, has often been blood. Blood is life. The Bible declares in Leviticus that the life of a creature, be it an animal or a human being, is in the blood. So when we are talking about sacrificed blood, we are really talking about life itself. And yet throughout our nation's history, uh, well over a million men and women that would never meet you or know anything about you sacrificed their blood so you could be free. It should make us all take pause and be thankful. Blood for freedom. Unknown friends laying down their lives for us. Selfless sacrifice. Freedom to worship. Freedom to speak freely. The right to live and pursue happiness. Freedom from oppressive dictators. Freedom to bear arms, just to name a few. They died for our freedoms. But there's another freedom that has been purchased. Already made mention of today, you know it very well. And it's a freedom that was purchased by blood, and it's the greatest gift of freedom we could ever hope to possess. It's a freedom so magnificent and so unbelievable that it's even hard to verbalize what is all entailed within that freedom, or all included. And it's sad that few enjoy its benefits even though it's been made available to anyone who chooses to receive it. And it's the freedom from sin and all of sin's effects, and it has been purchased by the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. With love as his motive, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Blood for freedom. You know, God created man and woman, and the Creator Himself enjoyed His creation. His creation enjoyed Him. There was a wonderful relationship, a fellowship, a communion, a, a, a togetherness, a oneness between them. Work wasn't toilsome, anxiety, depression, fear, they didn't exist. Perfect peace reigned in the hearts of Adam and Eve because they were completely provided for. 
There were no hardships, no sicknesses, no diseases, no death, no pain, no suffering, no broken promises, or even unforgiveness. Nothing had ever been done that needed forgiving. It was the Garden of Eden. It was heaven on earth. Perfection in every way. But then the deceiver came with his lying tongue and he put the lure out in front of them. And mankind bit the lie, as you all know. And sin entered the world. And sin is, can be defined by anything that goes against the character, the nature, or the standard of God. It's a great definition of sin. Sin brought with it the most horrific things the world has ever seen. Addictions, diseases, health issues of, of every kind, dishonesty, pride, jealousy, hate, pestilences from insects to natural disasters, death itself as a result of sin. You name the horrific thing, no matter what it is, you can trace it back to the beginning uh, or to being, its beginning as being the result of sin. If not being sin itself. People always want to blame God for the terrible things that happen in this world, but sin is the culprit. I don't even believe it's right to blame the devil every time something bad happens. Although we know he's always roaming around seeking whom he may devour. Sin rots what is living and then grows by continuing to suck the life out of whatever it is attached to. It's the source of everything bad that happens, whether directly from our own sin or indirectly from the effects of sin just generally being in the world. It's a bondage that we cannot free ourselves from. It carries with it a dismal sentence, death, eternal separation from God's presence. But God gave mankind everything that we could ever hope for or imagine. He created us in his own image, in his likeness. He provided, cared for, and loved us unconditionally. But humanity turned their back on him and disobeyed. Yet in all that, God loved us and continued to love us in spite of our rebellion. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect, sinless life, only to be nailed to a cross by the very people he was choosing to die for. Blood for freedom. His blood for our freedom from sin and sin's effects. And we see foreshadowings of this gift all throughout the Old Testament. After Adam and Eve sinned, they were ashamed. Genesis 3.21 says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Animal skin clothing suggests that blood was sacrificed that they may be free from the shame of their nakedness from the shame of their sin. Blood for freedom. We see it right away in Genesis. A blood sacrifice was made. Blood for freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from their shame. We see in Genesis 4 that Abel made a blood sacrifice to the Lord and gave God of his firstlings. He gave God his best. And Hebrews tells us why. Hebrews 11.4 By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. Blood for freedom. Freedom from unrighteousness. 
We see pictures of this all throughout the Old Testament. In Genesis 22, Abraham was directed to sacrifice his only son Isaac to prove his obedience to God. And Abraham obeyed up until the Lord stopped him and then provided a ram to be sacrificed instead. Can you imagine Abraham who believed God for a child and God promised him a child and finally upon that child uh, coming to Abraham and that gift coming to him, God says, you need to give that child back to me. You need to sacrifice him. So Abraham took him, laid him on the altar, on the wood, bound his hands and feet. Sounds like somebody else, doesn't it? It's a picture of Jesus Isaac, born of a miracle birth. Jesus, born of a miracle birth. Isaac, Abraham's only son. Jesus, God's only son. And as Abraham went through as a picture to us thousands of years later, God stopped him right before he sacrificed his son and provided a ram The blood of this ram was spilt as a substitute for Isaac's blood. Blood for freedom. And the freedom of life itself for Isaac. Moses dealt with Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. Plagues of punishment were sent upon Egypt to bring about the Israelites' freedom. None of them worked on Pharaoh. He just kept hardening his heart. I mean, when you read that, you're like, holy smokes, Pharaoh, what is up with you? You are just hard as nails. You won't budge. But then the 10th plague came, the death of the firstborn. All those who lived in Egypt were affected by this plague, but there was a way out. God instructed Moses to tell the people that if they took their best lamb, a lamb without spot or wrinkle, and they sacrificed this lamb and applied its blood to their doorpost, that the plague would pass over them. Blood for freedom. Freedom from death itself. This blood for freedom continued into the tabernacle worship practices of the Israelites while they were wandering in the desert. They would bring their best animals um, relative to their income, and they would offer them as atoning sacrifices for their own sins. Blood for freedom, freedom from their guilt of sin. These atoning sacrifices are still being done today by practicing Jews, although they're no longer required by God because Jesus became the once and for all sacrifice. Folks, I'm just trying to show you there's foreshadowings of this all throughout the Old Testament of what was to come. Jesus' blood shed so that we could be free from sin and the effects of sin. Blood for freedom. Ephesians 1.7 says he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. Blood for freedom. Freedom from what, you might ask? Freedom from sin's control. Freedom from sin's control. Romans 6, 6 through 7 says this. We know that our old self, sinful selves, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We just sang about that, didn't we? We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, when we laid down our life and gave it to Christ, we were set free from the power of sin so that it would not have power over us any longer. How many are thankful that the power of sin is not 
does not have a power over us any longer. I mean, that is good news if I ever heard it. It's incredible news to anyone who has ever felt trapped in an addiction. From opioids to pornography, from gambling to alcohol, from gossiping to binging and purging. I don't care what you're talking about in reference to the addiction. You may feel completely controlled by sin and that there is no freedom, but the Word of God also declares in John 8, 36 that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is freedom from those addictions. Whatever they are, there's freedom. You don't have to live under their control any longer. You have access to all the freedom you could ever need. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Oh, I could never get off the booze. I could never stop this or stop that. I can't help myself. I, I'm a sex addict. I can't help myself. I can't, I can't stop. Yes, you can. You don't have to be under sin's control. He whom the Son sets free is free. Freedom from sin's control. Blood for freedom. Freedom from sin's destruction. Free from what? Blood for freedom? Freedom from what? Freedom from sin's destruction. Galatians 3, 13 through 15 says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And Pastor Jared touched on this last Sunday in reference to our giving. God subtracts the curse of sin in our lives here on earth when we're obedient to him. He has, he has given opportunity to us, to everyone, to be free from the curse. But this promise is conditional, just like all the promises in the word of God. It's when we give our heart to Jesus that we are no longer under the curse. It's when we walk according to his word that the curse is subtracted. And we know that as long as we are in this world that we are going to feel the effects of sin in our lives to some extent. I mean, does anybody in here look older today than they did 20 years ago? That's the effects of sin. All right, it's true. Adam and Eve did not age until they sinned. We will feel the effects of sin in this lifetime. But that doesn't change the fact that there is healing for sickness and diseases. There is healing for broken relationships. That there, where, wherever the gospel is preached and received, there is an undoing of sin's destruction to some extent. And it's easy to land in the theological camp of believing that all of sin's destructive curse will only be dealt with when Jesus comes back for his church. Because you look around and the world is just a dark place. A lot of bad things happening. Goofy stuff. Stuff that makes no sense. Stuff that just seems ludicrous. And the sin, just like, just like the Word of God says, men, men will invent ways to be evil. And we see that today. Well, it'll all go away when Jesus comes back. Well, that's true. But he does, does the curse even now while we're here. It's also easy to land in the theological camp 
That everything purchased by Christ's blood is available to us right now. Everything right now. And if you're not experiencing it, then you don't have enough faith. I'm showing you two extremes. <laughs> like I just said a minute ago, if you're aging, I don't think, I think that sin's effects. And I don't know anybody who's lived who didn't age. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the fact that his kingdom is here. And it undoes the effects of the destructive forces of sin. It undoes them. But his kingdom is not fully come yet. But it is coming. So we get to experience the undoing of sin's destruction as we walk in faith in this life. But the fullness, the fullness of that undoing of sin's destruction is coming. And we can have hope that one day it will have no effect whatsoever. First Thessalonians, actually, I'm not there yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the next point. Freedom from sin's eternal penalty. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We know what the penalty is for sin. It's death. But we're free from that penalty. We get to enjoy eternal life. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know that what will happen to, or what we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We have hope today, folks. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died with, will rise from their graves. Then together with them we who are still alive and remain in the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. We're supposed to encourage each other in the fact that sin, sin's penalty, has no grip on us. I mean, if you make the rapture, church, you'll never experience death whatsoever. If you don't live long enough to make the rapture, that death will be undone. Physically and spiritually. I mean, spiritually we know because we're in heaven, right? And you get a new body in that moment. Physically, because his word says you'll come right up out of the grave physically. That is going to be one weird day. And I feel really sorry for the guy mowing the yard in the cemetery that day. He's going to be freaked out. But this is our hope, and it's the word of God. And we believe it, and we should encourage each other with these words. Death ain't got nothing on us. So we're free from sin's control. We're free from sin's destruction. And we're free from sin's eternal penalty. I mean, are you kidding me? Who wouldn't want this kind of freedom? Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ 
has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Why would you want to go back to sin when he's given you such a freedom? How can you enjoy all this freedom? I want to make a point. Remember Moses in the 10th plague. I talked about it just a little bit ago. The 10th plague of judgment pronounced on Egypt, the death of the firstborn. Don't miss this. If the blood had only been shed, they took that lamb, they sacrificed the lamb, and if they would have left that blood in the basin outside the door, that house would have experienced death and not have been passed over. That blood had to be applied. It had to be applied to the doorposts, right? In order for it to take effect and bring about their salvation from that plague. And it's the same today. In fact, the historical account of Moses and the blood of the Lamb being applied is a biblical type. It's a foreshadowing that, pointed, that points to the cross of Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His blood for our freedom. But it has to be applied. It has to be applied. And this is done by each individual. No one can do it for you. Jesus loves you, but he doesn't magically apply it to you or for you. His gift has been delivered to us. He's done everything that he can do. And it's up to us to receive it or to apply it to our lives. It's our decision. God didn't make you his puppet. How many are glad for that? How many wish some days that he did so he could just control everything you do and then you never mess up? That would, be, that would be lovely and it would be nice, but it's, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He respects you and loves you enough to give you a choice. Apply the blood that was shed for your freedom. This is your choice. Or live enslaved to sin and the effects of sin. Apply the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ for your sins. Apply it to your life or live under sin's control, under sin's destruction, and under sin's penalty. It's your decision. But remember that to not decide is to decide. And don't forget this. Sin will always take you farther than you will want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Every time. This morning, I want you to examine your hearts. Where has sin crept back in? Where have you allowed it to get a foothold in your life? What maybe part of your heart haven't you opened the door to to Jesus? I mean, I understand we talk about Jesus coming into your heart. We say a sinner's prayer and, uh, you know, then, then we're saved. But the prayer doesn't save you. The heart change saves you. You have to, inside your very being, give yourself over to Jesus Christ. To let him become your Lord. That means he lords over you. He's your master. That means you lay it all down and what he says goes. You understand the ramifications of making Jesus your Lord? It is a free gift he gives to us. But it's a free gift that will cost you everything. In a good way. 
And just when you think it's costing you too much, you realize that it doesn't cost you a thing. Because all the stuff of this world, all the things of this world are nothing compared to what he has for you. I want you to just bow your heads and let the Lord Jesus speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today and just reveal. God, reveal things to us. Lord Jesus, there's not one of us in this room this morning that's perfect. There's not one of us in this room that hasn't offended you in some way because we've sinned. We've done something, we've thought something, we've said something. We've acted in certain ways, God, that weren't of you. And Lord, this morning we ask you to forgive us. Your word says that you are faithful and just to forgive us when we, are, when we confess our sins. So God, we confess those sins to you right now. And we say, wash us white as snow. Make us new. Make us whole again, God. And I want to do this before we take communion this morning. I want to ask if there's anyone in this room you've never accepted Jesus Christ or you have and it was just kind of lip service to God. You really didn't change in your heart and you need to change. And you feel like you've been under sin's control your whole life and you can't break free from it. Yeah, that's you today. And you need to accept Jesus Christ once and for all as the sacrifice for your sins and to give him the reins and the controls of your life. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Everyone's head's bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Okay, I see that hand. Is there anyone else? I see that one. Is there anyone else? See that one? See that one? See that one? Is there anyone else? See that one? Praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? And church, let's pray along with. And, and folks, again, there's not a magical prayer that can make this happen. This has got to be your heart's cry. Pray this prayer from your heart. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you today with all of my sin and my shame and my guilt. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. And I need your freedom. Freedom that can only be found in you. Take my sin and come into my life. Control me. Move me. Guide me. Mold me. Make me. I'm yours. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer from your heart for the first time, if you prayed and asked Christ into your life, if you've been a sinner that's turned from their ways, that all of heaven is rejoicing right now. Amen? That's awesome. That's awesome. Heaven, heaven is having a party for you because of you. I think that's a cool thought. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.